Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners, the paper preview show with just a touch of chaos. I'm Andrew Doyle and joining me tonight are two comedians that I like to think of as the Ben and Jerry's of the comedy world. Not that they're going to lecture you on Black Lives Matter or anything like that. It's more that they're a guilty pleasure, they're very sweet and they might leave a stain on your trousers. It's Leo Curse and Josh Howey. How are you both? Good. Yeah, you're looking very dapper, Leo. Thank you. I yeah. just went to TK Maxx. <laughs> Is that what you've People gone? People on Twitter were, were saying I'm always wearing the same clothes. So now so you thought, I'll show them. I've doubled oh. the amount of clothes I've got. I've yeah. got two outfits now. No, it looks good. It looks very nice. Thank you. And you Thank you. Not well, so much. But well, I know, but you know what? I just found out I've won 184 million uh, <laughs> on the Euro, the Euro jackpot. So um, you don't have to even bother dressing up. Like rich people, they deliberately they, dress down. No, they look bad, don't they? Because yeah. they don't care. Yeah, They've absolutely. got that, that arrogance of wealth. That's what I'm trying to project. <laughs> and you absolutely are being successful there. Well, let's, let's have a quick look at tomorrow's front pages before we begin. We're going to start with the Daily Mail, which leads with death knell for work from home. This is the proposed law to make work from home easier, being axed from the Queen's speech. And an image there as well of Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rooney in that ongoing Wagatha Christie saga. We're going to get to that in a moment. Wednesday's Telegraph runs with trust stands firm in face of EU trade war threat. The Foreign Secretary accusing Brussels of making the impasse worse as she prepares to make unilateral changes to the Northern Irish Protocol. And an image that is gracing many of Wednesday's front covers. This is the imperial state crown in place of the Queen as Prince Charles opens Parliament in the absence of his mother. Plus, they've gone with PM criticised for failure to tackle cost of living. Wednesday's Guardian leads with that same story about the Tories and the cost of living crisis, which we'll be covering in a moment. And a similar image there of Charles at the state opening of Parliament. Wednesday's Mirror next. Wagro. They've gone full pun. The Vardy and Rooney libel battle wages on. Wednesday's Times has neighbours get the right to vote on housing plans. This is a, another story about some of the details that are coming out about the Queen's speech, delivered, of course, by Charles. And there's a story there in the corner about Elon Musk vowing to allow Trump to return to Twitter. It'll be worth that just to see the meltdown from Hollywood celebrities. And finally, we have Wednesday's star, squeaky bum time, Marcelo, who is apparently a footballer, is kicked out of the French team due to his flatulence. And those are your front covers. Our top story, and Boris Johnson may not be the saviour that everyone thought that he might be. Josh, what are the details here? Did anybody think he was the saviour? I don't know, apparently. Someone <laughs> thought he was the saviour. Well, this is in the Telegraph, so they probably are saying that he's oh, the saviour. They seem very much as a Christ-like figure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He, they have pig pictures of him everywhere. <laughs> uh, and all the articles that were turned out to be wrong or lies. Anyway, uh, he basically says, I can't shield everyone from the cost of living crisis. Uh, my question would be, could he shield anyone? Yes. on the cost of living crisis. Uh, this is in the Queen's speech today where a bunch of government proposals have been launched for the next year, but they're all basically long-term. And the right. problem is that there are uh, families and uh, people suffering now, and he hasn't really said what he's going to do about any of that. 
Uh, some of the long-term stuff looks pretty good, you know, uh, the structural reforms about energy uh, supply and education, planning rules. Like these are all like good positive steps. Yeah. But there's just nothing concrete about what we're going to do right now because there are, like I said, it's not, and I'm not talking about me here, but, I'm, but there are genuinely proper, actual needy people who who actually need help right now, and there's of course. Just nothing there. Well, he's saying that this, this is, it's you know, it's a glo the global impact of, you know, not just the war in Russia and Ukraine, but also the pandemic, of course, it means that this is an inevitability. But isn't that kind of like passing the buck a bit, Leo? Uh, well, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly an excuse because it is, it is something that is affecting all countries. Uh, although, I mean, of course, some countries are probably being affected less. I should imagine Sweden, where they, they didn't have this savage lockdown uh, and, and so much quantitative easing. I mean, it's really quantitative easing. Since 2007, 2008, the government's just been printing money hand over fist. So, of course, that, that feeds into, into inflation. Inflation, the money's got to go somewhere, so it goes into fixed assets. Yeah. Uh, and, and lockdown, everybody wanted lockdown when it, when it was... Uh, everybody wanted a harder lockdown. Labour wanted a harder lockdown. We'd be in an even worse position with Labour. Uh, and the one thing that, that Boris and the Tories really have sort of let us down on and not really given a conservative uh, stance is green policy. Mm. So they've, they've really been pushing this green agenda, which even in the good times was adding, you know, 20, 25, 30 percent uh, tariff on top of everybody's energy bills. And now uh, that we're completely dependent on Russia and we're in this terrible state where we can't get oil and gas and that it's all... But it's not shot up in yeah. the open. But we're not dependent on Russia at all. We no, but it, make, it pushes up the, the price in the market. Yeah. The, the situation has pushed up the price in the market. So, but isn't um, that a good argument for us to be self-sufficient and to implement? New yeah, absolutely. Policies? We should have been. We should have opened the the North Sea oil fields. Campbell was was shuttered. Uh, that's that's an oil field in, in the North Sea. If that had gone ahead, we would be roll, we'd be up to our eyeballs in oil. And what do you think about some of these? What do you think about some of these policies that up to your eyeballs in oil? Well, that's yeah. a very Scottish thing to say, isn't it? Um, yeah, but, the, but the policies—they're quite good, aren't they? Some of the things that Johnson's yeah, the long—the long-term uh, plans around around nuclear and around uh, you know energy independence and things like that are, are good. I mean, I've got to be honest; it, it's something that's probably coming from a personal place with him because he's got eight kids, so the cost of living <laughs> crisis is going to be hitting him. Is it eight, eight that we else. know of? Eight that we know of. Yeah, yeah. eight that he knows of. Yeah could be all sorts. <laughs> all right, well, listen, let's move on to the next. So, so this is Wednesday's Sun now, and it's a reminder that the tide of time is relentless. All things must change, Leo. I'm feeling very metaphysical tonight. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite sad times for, for the nation, even for somebody like me who's, n who's not a royalist. So the Queen uh, is, uh, says she's got uh, episodic uh, mobility problems. But so she's she fine. I mean, they're saying she's fine. It's just that this, yeah. is, this image of the crown in place of the Queen, yeah. which I think we can have a look at now, it, you know, it just reminds us, doesn't it? Of, you know, she's an old woman. There's, the, the monarch is mortal. Is that yeah. her? She's not that's under. Prince Charles. Oh, that's not Prince Charles. Okay. She's not under that crown. <laughs> okay. And that's, yeah, that's Prince I thought, Charles. I thought she was looking pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and apparently Prince Charles uh, looked emotional as he gazed at the crown and rubbed his hands together saying, my precious. <laughs> he's so close. Precious. You can just see how close he is. He's 73 years old. Yeah. He's been waiting so long. It's like, just, just want the move yeah. there. Just wait, just wait a bit, Mr. Charles. You'll get your crown. Uh, and <laughs> You're projecting there onto Charles. I'm sure he's very, you know, I'm sure he's very fond of the Queen as much as well, we it's all are. Mom. Yeah, it's his yeah. mum. But, yeah. but they are upper class. So, yeah. you know, families, upper class families don't always you don't get one. No, they don't. But they don't have no. emotion either, so it's fine. They're dead inside. Thank but, I mean, what do you think? I mean, do, do you think this image... I mean, it's been so striking. A lot of people have been talking about it online, you know, this image of... You know, it's sort of sh striking people. But It's like a glimpse of the Well, it's future, the first time she hasn't you know? been there, I think, since 1964 or so, you know, 63. Mm. So it's, it is a big deal, her not being there. And this is the moment. But they had to pass, like, special laws so that Prince Charles 
could do the speech instead. Yes, yes, this is unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah, and it is moving, obviously, towards what is inevitable. Yeah. And that Prince William was also there, uh, sort of, I guess, to kind of, as a sort of PR exercise, like, hey, don't worry, we're not going to have him for too long. We're going to have this guy. It it is quite powerful, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, irrespective of where you stand on the notion of a monarchy, the vast majority of people really like the Queen, don't they? She's a a really likeable figure, and more people are nervous about the prospect of Charles. And she's given her life to her country. I mean, already she gets to live in a palace and, you know, go around in a big gold car and stuff like that, which is is nice. But she's put the hours in. I respect her for that. She's not like Prince Andrew, who just, you know, jets off to, uh, you know, Jurassic Park Island or wherever he (laughs) went, cavorting with 14-year-olds. So, yeah, careful what you're saying there. 17-year-olds. Yeah, it's Jurassic Park is not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, look, let's move on now to Wednesday's Mail. I have to be honest, I have no idea what this story is about or who any of these people are. So, Josh, you're going to have to help me here. Well, that's it. So we are talking about Rebecca Vardy <laughs> and uh, Colleen Really, Co- Colleen Really, Colleen Really, Colleen, I believe. I'm, I'm not, I'm worse than you, but this takes up... This took me like an hour to read this. Yes. This is like half of the newspaper. I mean, I had never heard of Rebecca Vardy before this story broke, so I have absolutely no idea. You haven't heard her on Free Speech Nation? Uh, well, no, she won't return my calls. But the thing is, I have no idea about football, and, and I have no interest well, this in it. Well, this is a free speech this issue. Is, yeah. OK. Well, this is a free speech, and it's actually better than football. It's just they happen to be married to footballers. But really, it's about fame, and it's quite. It's a great story because it's about... Um, they, they kind of the reason why it's called Wagger for Christie is because Colin Rooney, uh, Rooney um, sort of did the sting operation yeah. using a social media account to kind of whittle down uh, the, the suspects who were, who was leaking stories about her life to the press. So she is the Miss Marple of Instagram. Uh, that's the way that's the way it turns out. And she sort of did this over a period of time, and then finally it came down to Rebecca Vardy, and that's when she um, she kind of released this information like it has to be her. And it was really sort of it was quite a clever. Thing. That's smart. Uh, yeah, it was a smart thing. Uh, they do it in espionage as a blue dye. Uh, is that what it test. is? That's yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you feed uh, certain information, false information to ah. people, to see who you know, see what get, gets through, and then you know who's who you're leaking. I actually think Poirot has done that kind of thing. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it before. So this is an actual technique. So they're watching a lot of ITV3. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, and from that, she then worked out this this plan, and it did work. But I love this article because it just goes on, and it's got these like ridiculous facts, like she stared her down, and they passed within inches of each other. Oh, it's and- going to be a film, isn't it? At oh, some yeah. point, this is going to be cinema on, yeah. on our big it's screens. It's got to be some really rubbish actor. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? I mean, Leo, what do you think about this? I mean, what's interesting is one of the tactics to sort of discredit Rebecca Vardy was to say that she's a leaky person. Yeah. That she has this. <laughs> that sounds dodgy. But you're not. That she's porous, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think she breastfeeds. That's not what I mean. Oh, okay. Um, but and to prove this, they pointed out that she said some pretty nasty things about Peter Andre. They brought out as evidence. So she said, "No, I respect people's privacy." She was asked, that, yeah, yeah. "Do you respect people's pri- privacy?" And she said, "Yes, of course." And then they they brought out an A3 printout <laughs> of uh, her talking about pr- uh, Peter Andre, and not not in a not in a nice way. Uh, so apparently she she slept with Peter Andre, and he's uh, hung like a chipolata to quote uh, to quote her. I, I, kill um, to be, I kill to be hung like a chipolata. Yeah, I, I don't even know. What a chipolata is? Is that a small it's a small sausage? sausage small yeah, sausage. so it's not good. You want to be hung like a, well, at least a savoy. <laughs> Any sausages for me is not kosher. Yeah, but uh, the, I feel I feel bad for Peter Andre though because he, he's now being brought up. All of this has been brought up again. Yeah. Yeah. you know, this happened a few years ago, and now we're all reminded. And he was already married to Jordan. Right. So he's got that whole problem, yeah. and now there's this as well. I mean, he, he might have just been having a bad penis day. Like we do get them sometimes, <laughs> where it just doesn't, you know, muster muster the strength. Must, mustard, <laughs> mustard <laughs> the chipotle. Yeah, I think we've got this theme is making me a little bit nervous. So let's okay. move on uh, to, the, to the Wednesday's Independent next. 
And President Macron has suggested a kind of union between Britain and other European countries. Don't know about you, but I, I think this sounds like a great idea. Why haven't we tried something like this before? <laughs> yeah. Another union for us to leave in a few years' time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Emmanuel Macron, French leader, French president, has uh, suggested that we have, you know, in the wake of the Ukraine mm. crisis, which, uh, which obviously has affected Europe's security yeah. and Europe's energy as well. Like Europe, I mean, Germany gets pretty much all its oil and gas from, from Russia. And it, it's still spending, still giving Russia a billion dollars a day. Uh, so, you know, we really need to be thinking about this and how we, we're going to work cohesively as a union. So this makes sense. I mean, we've uh, even though we've left the European Union, which, you know, governs laws and trade and things like that, um, for stuff like uh, energy and, and security, like we're in NATO, which is a, you know, that, that's our sort of defence uh, system. So why not have some sort of pan-European, um, you know, defence? You know, yeah, we, Europe could, we could sort of like make some of the laws the same across those places. <laughs> have the same currency? <laughs> Why not the same passport? <laughs> same passport colour. Well, how about why, why not? How about if Russia tries to invade? You know, we've got uh, and, and also there's uh, there's things like I mean, it would make sense because one of the issues uh, with uh, sending armaments to, to Ukraine is we send them artillery, mm. but then we're all using different ammo. We're all using different. The tanks are all using different. You know, some of them run on diesel, some of them run on unleaded, some of them, some of them are hybrid. Yes. No, I mean that's not a not a thing. But we're we're using if if we're all using the same standardised ammo, then it would, it would be easier to... To kill people. To kill people. Yes. There's, okay. there's also this suggestion in this article that this is a new, Macron's saying, a new parallel European project, which yeah. isn't the EU, but it's, it's, it's a cooperative yeah. project, which Ukraine could potentially be part of, because he's sort of saying, well, it's going to take years, perhaps decades, yeah. for Ukraine to join the EU. So, But this is a, a can of worms, isn't it? Well, yeah, because, I mean, it looked like, uh, you know, there's a lot of political change all of a sudden with um, with Finland and Sweden joining NATO, which is it's almost gone through now. Uh, and, and Ukraine said, you know, we, we want to join the EU. And the EU's like, yes, of course. Uh, but now that the dust has settled, um, you know, Macron and other people are saying, well, actually, it's going to take many years for you to join. But we do need to provide, you know, security guarantees uh, to Ukraine, yeah. uh, any sort of any sort of settlement. I mean, we're reaching the point with the, with the invasion that is grinding to a halt for Russia. So they need to negotiate their way out of it. Uh, so any, anything in that is going to re require security. I love how you speak so guarantees. confidently about this stuff. Because I read the Economist. Yeah, I read the Economist too, but I wouldn't state it as fact. But right, this is what's going to happen. No, I mean, and they're this, definitely going to do this. This, I mean, this isn't necessarily definitely what's going to happen. Okay. Like uh, Putin could decide to nuke, uh, nuke Kiev. Just say, let's keep our Rogers open. Anything let's could happen. But I, I like mean, Leo's definitive gonna, style. He knows oh, yeah. what's going to happen. In the 90s, when the Soviet Union fell, when the Soviet Union fell, uh, so Ukraine had nuclear weapons. I mean, they're all pointing at the West, so they weren't much use against Russia. But Russia uh, said, you know, okay, we guarantee that we won't invade, so Ukraine got rid of its nukes. Yeah. And, you know, now we're seeing that maybe, you know, that that wasn't Is, the best idea. And so you, the, Ukraine needs some sort of uh, security guarantee. About, it can't join, about, it won't be able to join NATO as any part of negotiate, negotiated settlement, but it will need some sort of guarantee. And what about Britain's role with this? Because, you know, ever since Brexit, Macron has been notoriously hostile to mm. Britain. And the idea of sort of creating this pan-European alliance where everyone's cooperating again, uh, he's been quite truculent, hasn't he? About this? He has been, yeah, with the fishing rights as well. But, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. We have yeah. to, like, like Leah says, we have to cooperate. And some kind of 
informal, formal infrastructure could be a good thing. And if it also allows us to go through the borders uh, with no hassle, then great. <laughs> That's what it was always about with you, wasn't it? That's, That's all, all I care That's about. That's me at the protest. It's like, don't make me wait longer at the borders. I've got five kids in the car with me. I'm just trying to get on holiday to my cheap holiday in France. Right. <laughs> well, Wednesday's Guardian now, they've been covering the government's proposal for a new conversion bill. What is it? And will it affect the new camper van I'm getting built for my summer holidays, Josh? Well, I don't know if it depends where you're going to go with it, to the EU or non-EU or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, in the, this is The Guardian. So it is going through or it's gone through where the bill, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting thing where it's basically, it's gone through anybody under 18, like this bill covers, like this, this, uh, this conversion ban pack. And this is to do with sexuality. Sexuality, right? yeah. So, 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 in other words, you're not going to. You, it will be illegal. Utterly, yeah, for anybody under 18. But it turns out there's not. I wouldn't necessarily call it a loophole. Some people are saying it's a loophole. But essentially, anybody over 18 who consents to some kind of conversion therapy or whatever, i.e., I'm assuming from what I saw in films where there'd be like someone who's a Christian who doesn't want to be, thinks that they don't want to be gay anymore yeah. or whatever, yeah. whatever um, that they can then do that as long as it doesn't involve like physical harm or anything. So isn't well, that... Milo Yiannopoulos did that, didn't Yes, Milo Yiannopoulos yeah. did that, absolutely. But it, and isn't that, in a sense, you know, because I mean, when we think of sexual conversion therapy, we think back to like the 70s and 80s when people had electrodes tied to them, really mm. cruel, uh, but it was basically torture, yeah. let's face it. And that's already now illegal. Mm. So when, so that's what's misleading here. When we're talking about conversion therapy regarding sexuality and sexual orientation, we're talking about therapy, as in uh, discussions with these counsellors. And I think it's bunkum. But shouldn't adults have the choice if they want to put themselves well, through this stuff? I mean, the, the, the data's in on this, by the way. You can't yeah. convert your sexuality. You can, you can hide it. You can suppress it. But it's not going to change who you essentially mm. are. Mm. So, but shouldn't adults be able to do that if they want? Yeah, I think they, they, they should. At least they should have that option. But then there's, like anything here, it's that there's murky areas, you know, are they being coerced? Like, they might say that they're not, mm. but, you know, if it's a cult, if it's, you know, Christianity... <laughs> the cult, is it? It's quite a big cult. Quite a big cult. Does it happen? They've yeah. done pretty well. Pretty well. Pretty well, those Christians. Does that happen in Judaism? Uh, no, but, but there's an interesting thing in Judaism where lesbians technically don't exist. Oh, right. so, so, yeah, is that so, right? Yeah, so homosexuality is like seen as like you know immoral, whatever. Obviously, I don't believe that, and that's an orthodox thing. But uh, but they just don't mention lesbians in the Bible because it's seen as all like exchanging of mm. fluids, essentially. So there's, you can be totally lesbian; it's totally fine. Right. Lesbians come and hang out with the Jews. It's all good. <laughs> that's your pitch. That's the pitch. Come on. I think I've seen that film. <laughs> There's, uh, but I mean, the, the conversion uh, therapy bill was also going to stop any discussion. So if, if a child uh, presented uh, with ideas of sort of gender dysmorphia, mm. uh, it would stop any discussion with a doctor or a professional um, that, that didn't lead to so gender conversion. That's the confusion, isn't it? Because we're there are two types of what they're calling conversion therapy here. There's conversion therapy relating to sexual orientation. And then what they're calling conversion therapy relating to trans kids or kids with gender dysphoria, but that's not conversion therapy. No. That's doctors talking to kids who are confused about their gender identity. Mm. And they're lumping all of this together in quite a dangerous way. Yeah, yeah the trans activists are yes. lumping it together. Yeah, because the difference is uh, conversion therapy, in, in, for the latter sense, would be like going and saying, oh, I think I might be a boy or a girl. And, and, the, and the therapist saying, that's cool. But why don't we talk about, you know, your depression 
or uh, maybe history of uh, sexual assault or the things that have happened that might be the reason, the cause yeah. exactly. for that. But they're suggesting, the activists are certainly suggesting that that's the same yeah. as effectively I, if you don't accept a gay someone kid, straight you're away. not yeah, yeah, gay. Yeah. And it's not the same, and that's what's causing a lot of confusion. Yeah. Anyway, part one is over now. There are adverts now. Watch them absorb their message by their wares. <laughs> and after the break, we're going to be talking about microaggressions, an anti-woke investment fund, and whether crisps are good for you. See you in two minutes. Welcome back to Headliners, and with me, Andrew Doyle, I've got Leo Curse and Josh Howey. We're going to move straight on now. This is to Wednesday's Times, and a headline uh, sounds counterintuitive, but is it, Leo? Microaggressions are as bad as overt hatred? Well, yeah, this is, uh, this is relating to courses being taught to NHS staff at great expense to the taxpayer, obviously, when I think the NHS might have other things it could be spending its money on. But uh, courses on the NHS Leadership Academy's website include a lecture by a campaigner who said that being prejudiced is unavoidable for people born in Britain because it's a country that legalised oppression. So we're all automatically uh, prejudiced. Uh, and uh, they're, they're being told, the same person also said, in a TED talk that uh, microaggressions can be worse than an overt acts of hate. So this is this Nova Reid, who's this, this, yeah. this uh, campaigner. Can you explain what a microaggression is for people who don't know what it is? Basically, a microaggression is, uh, is a sort of racially insensitive uh, question such as, where are you from? Which is the most horrifying and vicious uh, racial assault that this person can, can imagine. No, a microaggression is, is basically an aggression that's so tiny, you shouldn't really care about it. Well, it's not just racial. I've heard people say that, yeah. to say God bless you when someone sneezes yeah. is a microaggression oh, against atheists. Christ Christianity, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you, because you might be an atheist and that might offend yeah. your belief system. No, honestly, if you're worried about microaggressions, go, go to Glasgow, see a full-size aggression. They're, they're <laughs> much worse. Yeah, I Josh, what do you make of this? Do you think, I mean, isn't it perfectly possible, though, to inadvertently cause offence? You don't mean to, but you've said something that's a bit insensitive. That happens. Absolutely. And the problem is that the, the two are getting mixed up because... Right. But it's not a bad thing to find out where these inadvertent things might be. Like, I, I did one of these, like, anti-racist um, courses or whatever. My synagogue organised it. And, <laughs> as you do. And one of the things was, because there are, there are black Jews, and that people would go up in, in you know, in, in synagogue, like, at the meeting, go, oh, hi, where are you from? Like, I, and for a person who's black and Jewish, it might be construed as, like, saying like, you don't necessarily belong, or why aren't you, why don't, you know, so I could see that, and I would see, because I would see someone, I'd be, oh, bro, I want to find out where they're from, are they from Israel, are they, you know, and so I would do that, and I didn't realise that it, it is a form of othering. I don't want to get too, like... And then the problem with that is you might ask that of anyone, that might, you know, and, and therefore, but, but with the rise of the sort of culture of microaggressions, people are now more likely to interpret innocuous statements as having a malevolent... They might be, yeah. but if they, even if they weren't taking it, like that because I, I think that I mean even if that hadn't happened I do think that that would be a, a way of saying do you belong if you're specifically going up to the one black person who's in your synagogue and saying oh where are you from and not doing it to, and you might be doing it from a good plate like you want to say oh well, yeah. like, what's your story I'm interested to find out how this has happened did you convert or whatever that that can be quite tiresome if everybody's going up to the same person. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I get asked where you're from all the time in London, and it is a, it's boring, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, well, the, the idea that it always goes yeah, the same way. People well, are interested. People that's, are interested, but then yeah. they don't. They're, they're like, uh, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm 
from Scotland. And they're like, yeah, but where in Scotland? I'm, I'm from near Dumfries. And they're like, I haven't been there. I've been to Glasgow. <laughs> and I don't care. When he, really? like, people should just ask more interesting questions. I'd rather have some like racially prejudiced abuse well, I, thrown at me, because at least that would be vaguely interesting. Wait a minute, I'm very confused. I th always thought you were from Ireland. <laughs> so this is this is news to me. I'm learning. I'm learning. I think That's it's, it's all of this yeah, microaggression. Yeah. I think the problem with this article, though, is yeah. the suggestion that a microaggression, which is, we can acknowledge, is bad. Uh, is the same as overt hatred. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, because we could detect micro... I could say that your shirt with lobsters on it is a microaggression because I'm allergic to shellfish. Scorpions. Is it scorpions? Yep. Well, I knew it was some kind of crustacean. <laughs> Are they a crustacean? I don't know. Yeah. But you see you see the minefield that we've just yeah. exposed. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, why is that as bad as an overt... It can't be yeah. as bad as an overt uh, declaration of racism no. or homophobia or whatever. Yeah. It just can't. Well, that, can and it? I think that they want to push... Well, they, are the, you know, the people who are pushing for this kind of super woke... Uh, I think, first of all, this person charging £1,074, including VAT, which yeah. is a bargain. Um, it, it's because it's, you know, they want to make more and more, you know, as people are being less and less racist, they're finding where these these actual, you know, these supposed racisms are. Yeah. Whereas that's actually people just maybe not knowing any better and then just teach them that, oh, maybe, maybe think about that twice before before going yeah. in and asking yeah. this. It's not coming from a place of hate. I think you just say, try not to be mean. Try yeah. not to be mean. Try yeah. not to be a wally. And that's free. That's, that's advice I gave to everybody in the NHS for free. You don't need to charge £1,074 per person to hear that. Yeah. OK, so we're going to move on now to uh, the Wednesday's Telegraph. And big money are banking on the idiom go woke, go broke being a useful way to navigate the complex worldwide economic investment system, Josh. What yeah, do you so think? This is uh, microaggressions in the field of funding uh, <laughs> black rocker, black rocker. Is that a microaggression? I don't, I, whatever. Well, be Vanguard. Vanguard. Uh, Offensive to geologists. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, this is a, a author called uh, who wrote Woke Inc. Uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who I interviewed actually on on my show. Yeah, yeah, yep. that was an amazing interview. Anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, that's a microaggression to me now. There we go. That was, that was a very show. Yeah, I'm sorry. Even when you're on it, you're not paying attention. I, that's right. I've got to remember what's coming up in the next section. I've got to remember Unbelievable. My, oh, no, Get on sorry. with the story. Okay. Uh, he's raised $20 million to invest in funds that just focus on making as much money as possible, which you think is the point of investing, right. is, is meant to be. The thing is, $20 million in that world is is nothing. Yeah, BlackRock is $10 trillion. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's an interesting idea to point to, to but, but, it, but 20 million sounds like a lot, of course, there's a lot of money to us, but in that world, it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's like it's like Peter yes, Andre's but... Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> but he is promoting this idea of what he calls excellence capitalism. Yeah. And what Ramaswamy is saying is, corporations have become woke to the extent that they're more interested in preaching their sort of identitarian politics yeah. than they are in making money, yeah. which is the purpose of a capitalist venture. Well, for a lot of, because I mean, something like BlackRock will have a lot of investments from uh, hedge fund, uh, uh, retirement funds, uh, pensions and things like that. So they have, uh, you know, requirements that the money can only go to ethical uh, mm. funds. So, so it's a way of, you know, getting the maximum amount of money flowing into your fund. Mm. Uh, but I think this guy's spotted the, the fact that, you know, companies that focus on making money first and being good people second are probably going to make more money because that's what sure. they're focused on. And, uh, and also, there's, there's an interesting thing that um, these companies such as BlackRock, they're not squeaky clean. So BlackRock, uh, you know, has this woke mm. image, but it funnels 
millions well, of dollars. I mean, all of them are. Ben and Jerry's to, isn't squeaky clean. To, no, no, no. To, to the Chinese government and to Chinese yeah. companies. That, you know, and get, obviously in China, you've got slave labor. You've got all kinds of, I mean, for a start, it's a horrific, you know, authoritarian regime. But, you know, China's doing horrific things and BlackRock's making money from them. Right. Yeah, but just, just to say one thing. Yes, to what you're saying about their first thing is to make money. The second thing is to be to do good. I would argue that some of these companies' examples that you were saying, I don't see any agenda there to being good at all. It's just like they want to make money. Now, that is capitalism, arguably, but yes. there is an argument that there is a social you know, well, um, well, I think, contract I think, as well. Well, I think what, his argument is that when Nike sort of do the sort of BLM thing, they've made a calculation. No, no, that I, this I, is go, that of this course is, it's a PR exercise. You know, it's I, not about the cause. No, absolutely. You know. But I would just say the people that he was talking about, which are, he's like, if it's going to be an oil company, let's make it the best, the best oil company. Yeah. Well, that's, mm. no, I wouldn't, that's not where I'd want my money to go to. But ben oh. and Jerry's refused to sell ice cream in the West Bank. Yeah, I know. By the way, I should point out I have no money, so it's, it's really <laughs> moot to me anyway. You were boasting at the start about how rich you were. That was, uh, that was just for <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really win the millions. Next up, from Wednesday's Guardian, this is a story about an app, and it's, I've no idea, I've never heard, it's Grinder, is it? Grinder? I've never Grinder. Heard, I've never heard of this. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what this does. I don't know, I'm, I'm at a loss. Yeah. Tell it's me a real microaggression. It's, it's like a sort of a tinder for, uh, for gay people. Oh, so, is it? Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's a, a dating app for, for gay people, um, and it's, it's floating. Um, it's not uh, literally floating. <laughs> that would uh, be, be strange because it's a mobile phone app. Um, but, yeah, basically, they're, they're going to launch. They're going to uh, have a... I mean, they used to be done uh, through an IPO, so you'd have an initial public offering and your shares would be sold in the stock market. Mm. Now they do it through a SPAC, and uh, that's not a kid I went to school with. That is uh, a Singapore-based special-purpose acquisition company, uh, which basically raises all this money and is a blank shell. It sounds, it sounds quite... Mate, just get on with the gay sex, all right? Yeah, Stop with all this like quite... financial oh, stuff. Well, I don't they, think they, people... They, all, I... they just talk about financial <laughs> stuff. There is literally no mention of there's chip loads of, There's loads of good, like, gay okay, stuff uh, there. I'm going to go to you for the gay stuff, Josh, because okay. clearly this is on your mind. Uh, this is really interesting stuff. I didn't know, like, looking at the statistics, 80% of the profiles on Grindr are 35 years is old or younger. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. I, I, I mean, I, I... I think gay men cap their age at 35. Yeah. Well, do you think they yeah. say they're only 30? Maybe no, no, Barbara yeah. Streisand. You, oh, you, you can't uh, be 40 and on the gay scene because you're basically an octogenarian at that yeah. point. You just double, it's like dog years. So what do they do then? Oh, they just, dog years. just take dog. up sort of crosswords. He's got a moisturise. Okay. And also, this is the, another interesting thing. It's going up, it expects growth of 35 to 40% this year. Money, like, where does all these extra... Gay people come from. That's great. Like, what it's do they do? They're spending more money. It's you know, what? I blame Stephen Fry because he was the one who first mentioned the app on the BBC. I think it was on Top Gear, and then it exploded because this app, of course, you could find the nearest gay man to the nearest foot. Your phone could sort of locate it, like some sort of Let like. Let's see if it works. Let's see if it works. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> before Josh gets too excited, we're going to move on. That's part two over and done with. Part three is where these two will be removing their leashes and speaking truth to power on a host of stories. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, coming up, we've got the world's worst in-flight entertainment, Human Zs, a weird new hybrid monster. You won't want to miss that. And uh, why I have yeeted my crypto wallet into the sea. We'll see you there. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle. 
and Leo Kurse and Josh Howie. So let's just crack straight on, shall we? This is some revolutionary investigative, investigative journalism here from Wednesday's Times, Josh. Yeah, so uh, it turns out that there's a lot of holiday homes in Cornwall. Amazing stuff. Yes, this is... A, but it's quite interesting because you know, we're always seeing things about... You, you know, you're seeing like houses being graffitied and you're seeing the locals being priced out of being able to buy any properties there. But what they're talking about, and it's actually quite an interesting idea, is doing some sort of scheme where anyone with a second home has to register it right. and pay £200. And now I, they haven't said what that money is going to be used for, but I'm imagining they can invest it in local housing. So that's not but, a bad idea. OK, but this is about what they're calling over-tourism. Over-tourism. Well, it's the same it, in like Amsterdam, it, where they def, they don't want tourists anymore because they see it as ruining their, yeah, ruining their city. Uh, it's a ridiculous idea of over five million Hollywood daymakers go over here. I've never noticed it. I've been a couple of times. and It's not like that full. Well, people, the it's got enough. It's not like it's people are camp, camping in the homeless holiday makers on the street yeah. begging for change. Like it's as full as it gets. I, mean, but, uh, I think you're just finding it less full than Camden. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yes, exactly. I mean, they're, they're talking. They're worried that there are too many tourists in Cornwall. It's going to sink or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, what do you have? You been to Cornwall, Leo? I have been to Cornwall. I've done done shows down there. Yeah, it's, me too. It's great fun. Yeah. It's all right. It's because really? They're not used to entertainment. They've just got like a barrel and <laughs> yeah, farmyard animals and things. But they love it. <laughs> and GB News there. now. They've and now GB well. News. Yeah. <laughs> but very fun in Scotland, they had uh, they had a thing called Settler Watch which was uh, set up to try and stop English people coming up and like my parents my really? parents moved up to moved up to Scotland but the thing is the the guy the guy ran my local shop uh, he had this daily counter selling olives and all the rest of it and obviously it was all the English people buying that stuff because yeah. it hadn't been fried and uh, <laughs> he appeared on TV uh, you know saying that he was in Settler, Settler Watch and he wanted all the English people to go home Sunday and all the English people stopped buying olives at his shop Doesn't and he, yeah, he went bust we... that sounds a bit racist to me oh, it's, quite, it's very racist but it was against white people so it was okay and I mean, yeah. you've got the same thing in Wales. You've got that group maybe on Glyndor who didn't like English people buying houses over yeah. there. And then, yeah. and there are Cornish separatists, aren't there? Yeah. To be fair, I wonder if that's connected to this. And I would have thought the tourism. And there's the SNP. Yeah. But I would have thought tourists would have been welcome. Isn't that good for the local economy? Well, it is. But like I say, when locals can't afford accommodation, there's a real problem there. But this also absolutely reeks of this whole like nimbyism because they're talking, they're, they're saying, now if we do this whole thing and everyone registers, then we can make sure that the hot tubs are properly treated uh, for, so no one gets Legionnaire's disease. And they're also saying <laughs> they want to crack down on complimentary snacks left out because people have allergic reactions. So they, as things do, they've obviously taken it too far and gotten totally ridiculous. <laughs> Wednesday's Times now, we have a fascinatingly insightful article on crisps, Josh. Is this your area of expertise? Well, putting on weight is, uh, yeah. and that's what this is really all about. Um, it's uh, basically a, day, a bag of crisps a day, although they do say later on a large grab bag, so one of the big crap, basically will make you a stone heavier over a year. So if you eat a big bag of crisps a day, day by the end of the year, it's you're not that be... big. A grab bag is just grab bag, yeah, mid the middle, yeah. yeah. Okay, so oh, bigger okay. than the normal yeah. one, though. So is it the case that just everyday snacking, we don't realise what we're doing, mm. and actually we're we're really. We think there's less health. calories than there really are. Okay, is yeah. the gist of it. And he's got he's got got some good abs there. Yeah, but he's got a six pack. So yeah, he's got. Has he got, he got a six pack? No, I'm actually kind of fat. Oh, you got? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. microaggression. Let's not uh, body shame each other. Now. Yeah. Let's just get on with. But I really put on some weight, and it's really scary. Thank you. It's really horrible. This is my sort of like, this was my baggy shirt about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like properly stretched across. So it's that simple, is it? Just you cut out one. I mean, th there's a problem though, isn't there? Like we all snack, especially when we're in the office mm, yeah. and we think it doesn't matter because 
is like a little bag of crisps. It doesn't yeah. really matter, does it? Yeah. But it all adds up. It's this cumulative effect. And yeah. suddenly Absolutely. you end up the size of a house. Yeah, there's basically... So Darius Davies, you know, you know Darius, he says there's, a, there's a, just one rule you need. Uh, if you, if you want to like maintain your weight and have a six-pack and all the rest of it, just is it delicious? If it's delicious, you can't eat it. So have no fun. So no crisps, <laughs> no Snickers, oh, no. nothing like that. But yeah, it's a, but there is another point. Yeah, the, 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 they, what they say is our food environment is very important. So yes. if you have snacks around, then you're going to eat them. And that's the problem is I do all the shopping and whatever in our house and I don't, I deliberately are cutting back on the stuff. But five kids, my wife is like, an, you know, she's a sucker for them. She'll go and buy loads of sweets down the down yeah. the corner shop and then fill in the cupboard. And then, I, I, you know, I'm going to get home at one in the morning. It's all going to be there for me. So and it's your wife's fault. It is my wife's fault. And then she fat shames me yeah. and sort of like, took a, she took a photo of me during lockdown just me sitting there and said, by the way, this is what you look like now. Yeah, well, no, but that's, she's a feeder and you'll never leave now. Oh, that's, that's what, what it, That's, that's what, what it's is. all about. She's making you basically undateable. We really okay. need to bring back fat shaming, though. It's the yeah. most effective way of getting somebody to, to lose no, weight. No, she absolutely freaked me out. She showed me this photo and I was yeah. like, OK, yeah, I'm going to sort it out. Yeah, wow. so you're going to yeah. yeah, one day. Even though that's cruel psychological bullying. Yeah. It is. But maybe it's necessary. Yeah. Mm. Let's move on. Black Lives Matter, remember them? Well, <laughs> what have they been up to, Leo? Well, so they raised uh, $90 million uh, from people. People sent in donations, yeah, uh, expecting the money yeah. to go to community projects and things like that. But instead, the, the already wealthy Patrice Coulors, who uh, writes books uh, telling white people how terrible they are, uh, ha bought a, a fleet of properties, or a squadron, whatever the word for a lot of properties is, including a $6 million a uh, luxury mansion she bought for cash with all, no mortgage, just cash. She bought from, it with cash? Cash from Black Lives Matter. It's like in a big suitcase. Yeah, it's, it's got six oh. bedrooms, uh, it's got a swimming pool, parking for 20 cars. Now, uh, we should say, though, she, that she didn't buy this house for herself to live in, well, right? She didn't buy it for herself to live in, <laughs> but she's living in it, so... Well, that, well OK, the, the, I think, in all fairness, the claim is that, they, that she believed that Black Lives Matter ought to have an asset and yeah. to sink some of the, their money into property. Yeah would be a good way. And they could use this for various sort of community projects. But they only said that after they got busted. Yeah, yeah. After right. she'd had a birthday party for her son, after she'd been living there for a week, you know, whatever. Yeah. Suddenly they were, a magazine sort of found all this out. And then suddenly it was like, oh no, we're gonna, we're doing the Black Joy Creators Fellowship. And as you say, we're gonna have healing justice and urban agriculture yeah. and whatever. Yeah. So it's, you, it's just, like, you think she just wanted a nice house? Who doesn't? We yeah. all want a nice I house. mean, if I had $90 million just sitting there, nobody's really paying any attention to me. The whole yeah. me, everybody's, you know, saying how wonderful I am. Of course, of course I'm going to dip in. It happens to everyone. Look at, look at Imelda Marcos. Anyone who's got access to a huge pot of money is going to dip into it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's great. The moral is don't give any money to charity. Well, <laughs> to be fair, she said that they, the reason that that money was to build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities. Yes. Uh, that was the aim of it. And that money did sort of go, I mean, it went for a very specific group of black people. Who bought a villa. About four black people got the benefit of it. But, you know, it did get used for that. You know, having their big own massive mansion. I think we've been very balanced there and we've they given the, both sides. They bought a mansion <laughs> in a white area. Is so, that where it was? Yeah. Okay, well, look, we, I think I, I was just trying to put the other side across because I think they <laughs> were just, you, I think that's fair. Uh, but yeah, clearly there's something dodgy going on there. Anyway, Wednesday's Mirror Now. And this sounds like the worst in-flight entertainment I've ever heard of. 
Josh. Yeah, so this is in the, in the mirror, a flight from uh, going, leaving Israel. Yes. And they, they were just sort of taxiing off. And then suddenly all these people on their phones, they got like an airdrop thing through anyone had an iPhone. It says, you know, yeah, do you want to... So basically you just sort of send, someone sends out uh, a, a sort of over Wi-Fi or, uh, well, uh, um, Bluetooth actually I think it is, but uh, you just can like send a message, I can send a file to another phone. Yes. That's an iPhone. So airdropping is just a way of communicating from iPhone to iPhone much quicker yes. than normal. And, and you basically say, do you want to get that? And you click yes and then all these photos of air crash, like of, of, of airplanes sort of destroyed and burnt out, turned up, and everyone freaked out because seeing it as, as like what well, some sort of warning. Uh, so they turned the plane back, and everybody got off the plane. But they say that because it has to be a localized thing, it had to have been somebody on the plane. Right. So this sounds like I mean we should say no one's hurt. You know this. Yeah. Is, but but it sounds like either a threat or a prank. Well, it sounds really like, yeah, essentially, go prank. find whoever the 14-year-old boy yes. on the that's plane. That's what I mean. And, and then that's probably who it is. Uh, it is an interesting time for Jews and aeroplanes because I don't know if you've covered... The, the, did, you, did we cover that? Sitting Jews. Yeah, they're sitting Jews. Lufthansa, the German Airways, <laughs> they were kicked off, this is a couple of days ago, yeah. basically two Jews... Uh, wouldn't Was didn't wear their mask properly or something. <laughs> that's why. And um, that's my drag name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and they basically got kicked off the flight, or they were told because they weren't putting the mask on. And there was about a hundred other Jewish people on the flight, and the pilot just kicked all the Jewish people off. Now they, I should say, they weren't a group. They were just. They were all going to the same festival thing, but they weren't with each other at all. Wow. It kicked off all sort of visible Jews. And then they were basically saying, well, you know, you Jews are the ones who caused this woman afterwards when they were all questioning and they couldn't get the flight. They were banned wow. for that day. It's a whole big sound. Now, of course, as these things do, it's only been covered amongst sort of Jews on social media, but it's pretty amazing. And they finally, after 40 hours, came out with an apology, but it was like classic, oh. mm. ridiculous well, bad apology that Josh, didn't actually Now it's well. been covered here. So there, there we go. go. So we are finally. doing that. It's kind of yeah. progress, though, because, I mean, instead of terrorism, people just get pictures yeah. of some terrorism. And instead of, uh, you know, the, the Germans have done worse things to Jews than kick them off, off a plane in the past. So you're saying things are getting better. Well, things I would say that the better. last thing I want to see is a photograph. <laughs> I mean, they don't even play when, when they uh, show... By the way, that was a microaggression. It was very <laughs> much. I, I would say that's a macroaggression. Macroaggression, yeah. But I mean, yeah. you know when they play those in-flight movies, they even take out scenes whenever there's a burning plane or a plane going yeah. down. So the last thing you want to see when you're about to take off are these photographs. It's terrifying to me. Yeah. But anyway, Wednesday's Telegraph, uh, and this is uh, about Bitcoin. So was I correct in not investing? Because I didn't bother. Because I didn't yeah. understand it. So well, I thought, I'll leave it alone. It depends when you're going to do it. So if you're going to do it last year, then yes, you're correct in not doing it. If you're going to do it 10 years ago, then no, you should have invested in Bitcoin. We all should have done it. I remember working in tech, and uh, all the yeah. tech people were like, oh, you should buy some Bitcoin. I was like, no, it sounds stupid. My loser brother-in-law and all his like hippie mates, they were like, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. This is like almost like 10, 50, like it was so long ago. And they all did it. They're all totally loaded yeah. now. It makes me sick. But I yeah. don't understand and how they're loaded because it doesn't, it's not real money. So so they've sold. Well, they well, money's sell not, bits money's of it. not real money. It's just, money's real it's money. I can show you. I've got just, a fiver in my pocket. <laughs> it's just paper with a picture on it. So it, it means nothing. It just people believe in it. Yeah. So you can exchange it for stuff. And it's the same with Bitcoin. So it's, yeah. it's just that. But it's, it's digital cash. So the government, you know, can't track you. Just yeah. like you know. But it is interesting because the whole point of Bitcoin was it was meant to be able to resist inflation. Yeah. Yes. And 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 sort of be a secure place but, to put your money. But now that things are going a bit awry with. Um, well, this article is saying it's not working. System. Yeah, it's, it's not working. It's, saying it's, and not, it's gone yeah. down. It's, it's as unstable as other currencies. Yeah, whereas yeah. gold has gone up a couple of percent. Right. Mm. So we need lots of gold. Yeah. Let's yeah. go back to the gold. Okay, well, time's now. Uh, this sounds like a hell of a wedding. 
Josh, this is an amazing story. Oh, this is fantastic. So this is a village in India and they were having a wedding and there was a power cut because they've got like a huge heat wave at the moment. So the company's just literally will turn off the thing. And um, the priest married these, there were two sisters and then these two guys from a, from a different village. And basically everyone got swapped around and they, he, they married the wrong couples. Now, <laughs> this might be a power cut or it might be that one of the blokes saw one of the sisters and, and saw the sister and went, wait a minute, I don't like that, that watch. she's much fitter. Turn off the light. And then Bob do Dunkel. a switcheroo. Yeah. But apparently not, because apparently both of the brides were wearing the full veil. Yeah. So the, the, and I don't know if it was arranged. I, I, I think it was arranged. And the, 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 so the Micro husband. Aggression. <laughs> because the article says so, John. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So the husbands hadn't seen the bride. So but yeah. it is like a plot of a really weird uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's actually the, the sisters are racist, because yeah. effectively what they're saying is to them, all Indian men look the same. Are they saying that? Yeah, I, I they couldn't tell the difference. Well, in a power well, cut. Yeah, but the, blo the, but the, the blokes are also covered up as well. And I don't, maybe they hadn't met before, but they went back to the village. Supposedly there are two stories that they figured out straight away and the priest remarried them straight away. But there is another version of the story where they say they actually took their brides back to their village, home village, yeah. they realised then... And they were like, well, let's just go with well, it. Well, they were trying yeah. to do that. They <laughs> Some were, villagers they, said, they were just saying, let just it, do it. Just let it and, that, <laughs> and, then the, and the women were like, nah, mate, I don't, I don't like him. <laughs> this is, this is almost, it's like that, you know, All's Well That Ends Well, the Shakespeare play, where the, yeah. the, the character Helena tricks the man into sleeping with her in the dark. Yeah. He thinks he's having sex with another woman. and It's like that, it's Shakespearean. It's absolutely, it's absolutely, it's absolutely, Esau and Jacob. also in the Jacob. Motley Crue biography. So, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's not just Shakespeare. No, not just Shakespeare. We're very broad here at Headliners, culturally speaking. Uh, now, if we as a species are to make contact with an alien civilization, I'm not sure this is the best way to introduce ourselves. Leo, what's this about? So this is a message that's being beamed out via some sort of radio transmitter yeah. uh, towards the stars. So if any aliens uh, receive this message, apparently it can be decoded by by anyone that's you know got got a radio <laughs> yes. or got you know sufficiently, so it's a simple sort of uh, simple message, and it shows a sort of very pixelated. There it is. We can see it now. Now like, yeah, it's a picture so of Peter Andre. It's got <laughs> <laughs> and Rebecca Vardy. Yeah. Uh, it's got some. Uh, those are the symbols of the new currency that's going to be the new European Union. <laughs> um, it's got DNA strands, and that also that that curve uh, there on on the right hand side shows where Earth is in relation to the Sun, so and it gives a map. Yeah, it gives a map it, to the solar us. system. Okay, so now this is a big question. Why do we keep sending these signals out to aliens? We don't know whether they're benevolent or not. They might just want to crush us. Well, we can send them yeah. to Rwanda if they come here and... Smooth uh, them on. Yeah, mm. yeah. That could work. Yeah, so this is what they, they, they quoted astronomer Carl Sagan said, even if the aliens are short, dour and sexually obsessed, if they're here, I want to know about them as we get enslaved and they use up all our resources or whatever. Yeah, look, I'm not having it. I've seen Terminator. I know where this ends. I, yeah. You know, just yeah. leave the aliens alone. But, if they're out there... But it could be that they got that message and have sent back a message to us and now, through the cosmos, has come in some alien porn that we're going to be getting. <laughs> yeah. so, they think that's what it is. Well, but also, we're transmitting an image that suggests that sex is binary and not a spectrum. So this yeah, is well, a transphobic message. This is so 1974. There's know. no they, them, there. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's not good enough. Yeah. Anyway, the Daily Star... Uh, really ramping up their Pulitzer Prize efforts with this one. Humanzees, 
Oh yeah. yeah. What is a human Z? So apparently recently there's a hybrid monkey uh, that's got DNA from two different species of monkey found. So uh, it shook up the, the world of science. But then since then it's been revealed that Kremlin chiefs in Russia in the 90s, they wanted an unbeatable army of man apes with immense strength. They couldn't buy Millwall Football Club. So <laughs> instead they tried to develop one in a laboratory. So they wanted a, a, a species with immense strength, uh, a man ape, uh, but with an underdeveloped brain uh, that was resilient to resist. <laughs> and there he is. There you like This is what you're on tonight. I like in London, I'm some sort of man if, if, if I go to Scotland, I'm just some perfume milk toast. Yeah. <laughs> you're quite posh up there, are you? Yeah, very posh. Well, very hard no, to believe. Yeah, use yeah. cutlery and everything. So. <laughs> he knows where the olives are. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a scary idea, the idea that they're creating yeah. these sort of man oh, Absolutely. It's China was at it in the 80s, Russia in the 20s, in the for, you know, America, they all want some of this, uh, some of this human chimpanzee action. Mm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think we should stop playing God. Don't we know where it leads? Yeah, yeah to well, cool monkey soldiers. Monkey yeah. soldiers can't be dealing with it. Anyway, we're going to finish on a literal dream app of mine. Cheezam. Cheezam. Leo, oh, yeah, so this Shazam. is. We, we know what Shazam is. That's yeah. an app. If you hear a song, you're like, oh, I like that song. You can press the button on Shazam and it'll tell you what song it is. So now there's a, an app called Cheezam. So if you <laughs> see some cheese you like, you can uh, hold your phone against the cheese. No, you, you basically take a photo of the cheese. The algorithm scans it, compares it to other pictures of cheese. And then yeah. it'll find out what sort of cheese Although, it is. Although, I mean, it's, it's always labelled. It's good, but it is in front. It, it, <laughs> always labelled. You're never walking yeah. past a deli counter and you're like, what is it? It's labelled, so you know what you're buying. Yeah. So this is an unnecessary app. And, uh, yeah, but, and the thing is, you can only get it in France at the moment. Uh, it's developed in France, but there, I believe there's a UK app coming out called Sparkling Cheese Am. <laughs> I don't know though I think in some of the posh markets you know when you go into the markets the outdoor markets and stuff, sometimes yeah. they don't label the cheese I'd like to know what it is I'm eating I think this is quite a good and they I, could be trying to rip you off trying to sell yeah. you a fancy gouda when it's just Edam exactly so you need to check it yeah. otherwise these cheese frauds are going to just keep on winning mm. yeah. anyway that is all we have time for thanks for listening to Headliners the podcast don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again and if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. <laughs>